Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Amelia Wilcox is the founder and CEO of Nevati, a platform designed to make access to mental health solutions easier for employees. They have been recognized as one of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in the U.S. twice and have raised over $5.7 million to date. Navadi also provides flexible work to 1,200 practitioners, including counselors and coaches across North America, and is used by over 11,000 employees and over 60 companies. Before COVID, Amelia ran in Corporate Massage, one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. multiple years in a row, providing on-site massage services to over 4,000 corporate clients. Within 10 days of the pandemic and their clients shutting down, in-corporate massage revenues went from $6 million to zero, and she had to think fast and find a new need to serve. After talking to in-corporate massage clients, she realized there was an enormous need around mental health, which her company was uniquely positioned to solve better and faster than anyone else. And that's how Navadi was born. Amelia has received many entrepreneurship awards, including being named one of 2021 Women in Business to Watch by Startup Weekly. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Amelia Wilcox. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here today. We're excited to have you. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yes. All right. So, Amelia, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Yeah. So, my path to leadership is kind of a serial entrepreneur, different business ventures I've run in my life, but it kind of all started in I guess 2005, my husband and I started an online outdoor retail store. It was just the two of us running it. And we ran that until the market crashed in 2008. Then it was like people just stopped buying tents and backpacks and coats. And so we had all this inventory in our garage and we had to sell it off for less than what we had bought it for. 
And so I am a massage therapist. Actually, my background is in massage exercise and nutrition. And I was doing like five hours of massage a day. And I was like, man, we're never going to get out of this like financial crunch that we're in from closing our doors to the business and being stuck with all that inventory if I just keep doing massage. So I had to find a way to take something I was passionate about, which was massage and health and wellness, and be able to turn that into a business that could scale. So that kind of started me down this path. So I started to incorporate massage in 2010. And I grew that company to get about 30 full-time employees, about 1,200 massage therapists working for us. We worked with about 4,000 companies across North America. So yeah, that, that was kind of like how my path to leadership started, um, as I really learned a lot of things throughout that. It was a 10-year span of growing Incorporate Massage from 2010 to 2020, when COVID basically wiped it out overnight. So I learned a lot along that process of how to lead people and delegate, which is really painful for me (laughs) and, uh, you know, inspire people, set objectives, create alignment across an organization, build culture, learned a lot about making sure, you know, everyone has a mentor or a coach at every level of the company, but especially important for executive leaders. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. So (laughs) you should tell me where you want me to stop intense because you lost two businesses that were thriving. And so there's a lot that you learned there. Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah. So when COVID hit in 2020, I furloughed my entire team and tried to just figure out how it was like me and my VP of operations and like one other employee just trying to hold things together and figure out how we could pivot the business into something that could use like the people and the technology and the resources that we had to solve a new problem. So I got on the phone with a lot of VPs of HR that we had worked with doing massage and just asked them a million questions. I sent out a survey to all of our massage therapists and asked them what other services they were credentialed to provide. And I found that we had registered dietitians and we had, you know, personal trainers, we had life coaches. We basically came up with like six different services we could deliver over Zoom as kind of like our version one. And then we also saw this huge need around mental health where our life coaches started coming to us saying, Hey, these people have problems where they need real help. And we need to be able to get them in front of a counselor. Cause we're just life coaches. We cannot take someone through treatment for anxiety. And so we actually started by looking for a partner and someone we could just send referrals to. And all of the clinics that I called were like, no, we are so backed up. There's so much demand. It's like three months out. And that was kind of my light bulb moment where I was like, Hey, we have a background in building large, high quality service provider networks. And we already had like systems and processes in place to hire massage therapists at scale and maintain like really high quality. And so I just brought my recruiting team back and I said, can you guys just go out and see if we can hire mental health therapists as like a new provider. And so we went out and tried and we hired like four or five people. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go see if we can sell this to companies. And so fast forward to today, now we have a comprehensive platform that provides a mental health solution for employers to give to their teams. And it addresses all eight dimensions of mental health. Instead of just talk therapy, we also have sleep, neuro music, and we have breathing and sound baths and meditation, but we also have yoga and we have financial wellness and we have fitness and we have nutrition. So we're looking at mental health through the lens of like the whole person, not just someone in crisis. So needed. And what's amazing is that you started a business and you thought this through and you problem solved, you know, when you lost that business and you problem solved again, a different thing. 
were there times when you lost that zeal and how did you get that back? Because I know there's dips. There are dips. Yes, that's, that's very accurate. And I did lose the zeal, especially like in the pivot story in 2020 was really hard because we actually rebranded in three weeks. So we were incorporate massage and we had to rebrand to be able to provide non-massage services, right? We couldn't be called to incorporate massage and do anything else but massage. So we worked like through the night, all night long. We pivoted, launched the new brand in three weeks. It was like the fastest turnaround ever. And for me, I was also personally, we were in the middle of building our family's dream house and it was 75% of the way done. And I just knew like, if I lost this business and our family lost this income, like we would lose our house, a half built house doesn't even sell for half of what it would be worth completed. Right. It's like, you basically lose the farm on that. So for me, I was intrinsically motivated out of survival. I was like, I have to do this or we're going to lose everything. And that was really what drove me in those moments of like, can I do this? This is too hard. I want to give up. And I was just like, I don't have a choice. Like my family's depending on me. So maybe not the healthiest motivation that's out there. Cause I ended up actually getting really sick because I had been working so many hours and not sleeping. And my stress level was so high. I ended up with an autoimmune disease that just like basically sent my body off the deep end. So I don't recommend that. And that is like in a full on crisis situation, but even like managing the company today, when I'm feeling lack of motivation or I'm having lulls in that desire to push forward, for me, that's a signal that I'm not managing my self-care very well and I'm not prioritizing myself and my needs. And so I'll usually take a little bit of time off when I start to feel that way. And if I'm up in the mountains, mountain biking, or I'm off on a beach with my husband or whatever the case may be, it'll just like light that back up. And that's what tends to work for me the best. And it seems like this is your passion work. Yeah. I'm pretty passionate about mental health, actually, personally and professionally. Right. Well, you know, because you've gone through it and you understand how important it is. So tell us about how we can connect with you, your services. If someone wants to get in touch with us, it's just Navati.com, N-I-V-A-T-I. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to DM me on LinkedIn, I will absolutely respond. Amelia Dash Wilcox. All right. So... Amelia, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? Right now, I am in the middle of listening to a book called The Power Law, and it's all about venture capital, the history of how venture came to be and all the different phases. So we just raised a venture round at the end of March, it closed. So this is my first time raising venture capital. So I'm trying to just like learn everything I can about it because they say once you jump on the treadmill, you don't get off. (laughs) So I want to know what's coming next. And then the other thing I'm reading about and learning about right now is autism. One of my children was diagnosed on the spectrum. And so now I'm like, I don't know anything about this. There's so much I have to learn. Like, how do we support? And it's great because it's very adjacent to my professional interests as well around mental health. So thank you for sharing that. You know, when you think about lifelong learning as a leader, that is one of the key things that we need to be. You also mentioned mentoring and coaching, the importance of having that for leadership. Why is that so important, especially for your executive leaders? Yeah. So especially for me personally, because a lot of the things I'm doing, I haven't done before. And my superpower is learning. I am a very fast learner, but I also like I'm doing things I've never done before. So I have to get in there and find somebody, you know, for instance, since we pivoted, we're now a product-based business, right? So companies are paying us like a SaaS fee to give their employees access to our platform. And we've never been that before. We were a massage company. So we were a technology enabled services company where people were just paying for 
hours of services. So that is a big pivot for me. So I need, you know, mentors and advisors that like have a background in SaaS. Like how do we price it? What does the product need to look like? What should the user experience be? How do we get more engagement? Like what types of tools are out there to remind users to spend five minutes a day for self-care and even to like, what should we pay for certain positions? Like what should the compensation look like for a startup, you know, head of product and how much experience do they need? And you know, what should I be looking for? And that for me personally, it's like the most important for the rest of my executive team. Most of them are doing jobs that they have done before in other spaces, but it's still important for them too, because just having an executive coach or a mentor who has been through, and as one of my advisors says, like seen the movie before, they can help you avoid pitfalls, right? So there've been so many times where some of my advisors have been helping me like avoid making a bad deal or going down maybe a specific market for sales, right? Like we were really seriously considering making education one of our main markets. And we were spending a lot of time in like public education. And one of our advisors was like, yeah, I've been in that space. And that space is going to take a really long time. Like you're not going to see the revenue movement you need in this short amount of time because they're going to take a year or more to even make a decision and execute on something. So they gave us the guidance to say, you need to focus on some fast movers because you need wins now. So I think everyone on any executive team needs someone who has been through more that can just help them avoid some of those mistakes that we might make on our own if we didn't have that guidance. I like collect coaches is how I describe (laughs) it. So even when I was very first starting in corporate massage, like 12 years ago, I would go to events and I would listen to speakers in subjects where I felt really deficient. And I would afterwards just walk right up to them after they got off stage. And I would be like, hi, I'm Amelia. I really wanted to come meet you. Like, can I take you to lunch? Can I get your email address so I can ask you questions? Right. So I will find someone who has a specific skill set in something that I don't know or haven't done before. And I will just like pull all the information out of them that I can and pay them in any way that they're willing to accept payment, but usually food. <laughs> or that's so smart. So damn smart. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how I found my people. I look at people in the public eye who are typically up speaking about something they're an expert in. And then I just say like, Hey, will you coach me? And 99% of the time, people are so happy to pay it forward and to just help other entrepreneurs or people aspiring to do whatever it is that they do. And then I turn that around, right? So I now speak at events and conferences and I go to universities and I speak in these university classrooms on entrepreneurship. And so then I will have typically a line of females <laughs> because they're so excited to hear from a female speaker, but I'll have like a line of students or a line of attendees that want to come talk to me afterwards. And they'll be like, I really need help with this. And you've done this. Can you help me? And so it's just this like cycle where people take information and help from other people. And then they give it back and people are usually pretty generous with it. And the key is to ask for help. It's so simple, but it's so profound. It's like, I mean, even just this week, like we're trying to grow our sales. And I was trying to think like, how can we use our network to try to get intros to more companies? Because a lot of companies are looking for mental health benefits right now. And I want, you know, how do I get in front of them? And even like my board members, two of my board members, I created a PDF that our investors could send out. We have about 50 investors. And I sent it to every single investor individually and just asked them for the favor of like, will you please introduce us to one portfolio company? And two of them came back to me and they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. Like they've been on my board for like a year and they've never made this intro. And all I had to do was ask and they just didn't think of it on their own. So 
I think we, as people like to make assumptions that like, oh, if that person wanted to help me, they would, but people are so busy. You really just have to get up the courage to ask for the thing that you need. And actually making the ask is like most of the battle. And, you know, I just sent that email on Wednesday and I already have three new companies in my pipeline that I'm talking to just because I asked. I love that. You know, I had a coach of mine say, Lily, if I took away all your money, if I took away everything, would you be sleeping on the streets today? I'm like, no. (laughs) Well, there are people that want to help you. You need to just ask for help. There are people that love you. There are people that care for you. You just need to ask for help. And that's the thing, asking. And sometimes we forget. Like you said, it's so simple but we forget to ask. So thank you. So profound. I think it can move the needle more than anything else. And that's just a lesson I learned very early in life. And so now I will make the ask, but it's still hard because you still feel like, (laughs) yeah, I don't want to put anybody out. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so I just have learned to just, those voices are still there. I'm just like, I'm just going to ignore you. (laughs) All right. So Amelia, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? That is an interesting question. What most concerns me about leadership, probably the leadership of our country, honestly, not to be political, but I have this sense of like, we have all these amazing business leaders and people just like, don't want to get involved in politics. You know, they're like, oh, leave the politics to the politicians. Right. But because of that attitude that I think a lot of like business leaders have, we don't have the best leaders leading our country as a whole. So when I look at the state of leadership in the U.S., I think, yeah, a lot of companies have really great leaders. How do we get really great leaders running our country, too, so that the whole nation can move up and progress? So that's one of the areas that kind of concerns me, because most of the best leaders I know have like absolutely do not want to be involved in politics at all. You know, even the neighborhood that my husband and I live in is like a township. And, you know, he's like talking about like, oh, I want to change this or I want to change that. And I'm like, then you should be on the council. (laughs) Like the only way to make the changes you want is to go make those changes happen. So, yeah, I think that's one of the areas I'm like, man, how do we inspire more amazing leaders in business to want to get involved in making our country as a whole, a better place, like outside of business, you know? And then you ask like, what what I'm hopeful about? Yeah. I love seeing a lot of these amazing companies rising to the top. These entrepreneurs are having amazing exits. And then those entrepreneurs are going in and they're building up the next generation of entrepreneurs. So that's one of the coolest things I think about the business communities. Even just looking here in Utah, you've got all these companies that have become unicorns and have had great exits or haven't exited yet, but they're already at unicorn status. And they're investing their capital as angels into up and coming entrepreneurs like myself. Like I have some CEOs of some big companies here in Utah that wrote my company checks to raise money. And then they're also offering their time and their expertise and their advice into these up and coming young business leaders. And so that's something that makes me really excited and really hopeful just to see that cyclical reinvestment in the next generation of business leaders. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Like you mentioned, paint it forward. All right. So now we have a question from a former guest. So Leilani Cure wants to know, what are some unconventional leadership tips that you have for us? Unconventional. I don't know what is conventional and what is not conventional because I've never really worked in a real corporate setting. I've pretty much always worked for myself. 
I can speak to what I have seen that works the best for me. So I've always been pretty lucky to have very low turnover among our employees because we've had a really strong culture. I think there's a few reasons for that. I think number one, employees feel, they feel a lot of ownership in what we're trying to accomplish with our mission. So when it was massage, people were very engaged and loyal in that space as well, because they were like helping people with pain and stress and like making people's lives better. And so being able to align everyone around a mission that they're passionate about really enhances leadership and drives people in the same direction through alignment. So number one was like connection to the mission and what we're trying to accomplish. Number two, I would say is actually connection to leadership and to their peers. So I do one-on-ones with all my direct reports, and then I do step over one-on-ones with all of our frontline employees. So I can't do them every week or anything like that, but I try to meet with everybody once every couple months. Then they know me as a person. I'm open and vulnerable and transparent with my struggles as a human. You know, when I need a break, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I will set my Slack status and be like taking a mental health break, you know, and when they see somebody at the top doing that, then they feel like they have permission to take the time that they need, or it's okay if they're struggling because they've seen other people in their organization do that. So I think creating a culture as well of transparency, vulnerability, and connection is super important because people will go to the ends of the earth for you if they absolutely they believe they believe in what you're doing and they trust and want to follow you as a person. I mean that comes in really handy with public speaking even, you know, like when I get up and I'm at an event, I want to walk around the room and talk to the people sitting in the audience before I get up and speak and I will ask them who they are and where they're from and where they work and why did they come to my session today? What is it they're wanting to take away from it? And then people feel that connection to you as a speaker as well and it makes your your presentation a lot more effective. So yeah, I think it can be applied in a lot of different areas, but how do you connect with your team or connect with your audience? And how do you get them to align with where you're trying to take the company? Those are some of the things that we do. I'd say, yeah, probably one of my best strengths is the ability to connect on a personal level with everyone. And a lot of that is accomplished through vulnerability and vulnerability in leadership sounds scary. Yes. You know, it's something that you need to practice because your vulnerability muscle then gets stronger if you practice it more. And, you know, as you were talking, there are three questions that people typically will have. You're, the people that you lead will have of you. One of them is, can I trust you? The other one is, do you care for me? And can you help me? And if we can answer yes to all of those, that's what we need to work to, to create the culture where people feel valued. And that's what I'm hearing from you. You know, when you talk about your organization, I'm hearing that people in your organization feel valued. That upticks the culture tremendously. Yeah. And I think all three of those boxes get checked by vulnerability and transparency as a leader. So it could feel, you know, counterintuitive to get up and tell your team, like you're struggling with mental health and you need to take some time off, but guess what? That act of courage, it goes miles and miles and miles with those employees. And then they understand what you're going through and they know how to support you. They feel like, you know, they're needed and they're valued and their contributions are important. Yeah. I mean, I think we've done a fabulous job here. It's not just me. It's my team too, is pretty open about what's going on and what their struggles are. So yeah, I feel like everybody's just like, motivated and we're all going in the right direction and everybody knows we all need each other to accomplish it. 
Beautiful. And you're doing wonderful work in that you're merging mental health professionals with people who really need it. You know, when we were first talking, how satiated the mental health profession is, you know, you have to wait for months and months. And I have friends who are waiting for months. So listening to what you're doing is hopeful. That's awesome. All right, Amelia. So as a listener of this podcast, is there a question you have for a future leadership guest? Like, what are you curious about? I mean, the thing that's on the top of my mind right now with leadership is, and this might just be for like entrepreneurs, it might be more entrepreneur specific, but like, at what point is it best for you to like, not be that leader in that capacity anymore? How do you decide or accept, I guess, if you can only take that role or that startup to a certain point? And at which point it makes more sense for the company to bring somebody else in to do that role, that leadership role, or like how far can you actually grow? So for me, I've gotten companies to a certain stage. So I know I can do the stage I'm at now to the, like the next couple stages because I've already done that before. And I wonder, do leaders recognize when they have hit their capacity or can we all keep pushing? And could I take the company like all the way to taking it public through all the stages? Or are you better doubling down on the things that you know you're really good at already? If you don't try new things, you don't find new things that you're good at. So <laughs> this is just what I was like going on in my head. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'm only going to be good to this level or if like, do I have what it takes to go past that? Um, I, I can almost predict <laughs> that you have what it takes to go past that. And if you don't have it, you'll learn it quickly. But that's a great question because that is something that we need to ask ourselves because we also want to know what's best for the organization Yep, and keep your health intact as well. So it's a great question. Thank you. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think just reminding people that especially in this world right now where everything is so crazy and the hustle is so real and you know we're all working remotely or hybrid and we're all working harder than we were pre-pandemic and there's things going on socially and wars and like we have to prioritize our own mental and emotional health it is so critically important because i learned this firsthand as soon as you neglect yourself it will all come crashing down on you. So if you really want to be able to help the people that you lead and your families and the people that you love, like you absolutely have to take care of yourself first. It's that air mask on the airplane concept. Oh and it, we've heard it a million times, but it's like, we don't do it. So I just want to make sure everyone knows like you have permission to take care of yourself and to take the time that you need for yourself. And you absolutely have to do it if you want to be good at what you do. And if you think long-term, right? Because sometimes as young people, we're thinking, oh, we can do this. We can kick this out. I don't need sleep. (laughs) You and I know, because I've had burnout too and autoimmune. So that is not worth it because then you'll be dealing with that for the rest of your life. I'm so happy that you're sharing that with us. And I'm hoping that we have some listeners that are taking this on really seriously because it's happening a lot. So nivati.com, N-I-V-A-T-I.com. And it's Amelia-Wilcox on LinkedIn. Yep. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Lily. It was a pleasure to be here. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. 
So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.